Welcome to the Neon Noise Podcast, your home for learning ways to attract more traffic to your website, generate more leads, convert more leads into customers, and build stronger relationships with your customers. And now your hosts, Justin Johnson and Ken Franzen. Hey, 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 Neon Noise Nation. This is the Neon Noise Podcast, where we decode marketing and sales topics to help you grow your business. What's up, everyone? This is Justin Johnson. And with me, I have my co-host, Mr. Ken Franzen. Ken, how is Ohio treating you today? Ohio is good. Warm, humid, and rainy. So uh, a little wet the rain that way. Cool huh? off the humidity a little bit here, but it hasn't. So we're, we're sweating in Ohio, which I don't get to say very often. <laughs> Usually you're the one talking about sweating down there in Florida. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely humid down here as well. So luckily we don't have the rain that you guys are getting right now. But Anywho, all is well. I'm excited to hear from our featured guest today. He is an expert in the podcasting world. Today we have on Glenn Rubenstein. He is a writer, director, journalist, and founder of Adopter Media, a full-service podcast advertising agency that helps companies plan and execute hundreds of successful campaigns and sponsorships. Glenn is the author of Podcasting Advertising Works, How to Turn Engaged Audiences into Loyal Customers. He has also been the host of Wrestling Inc. <laughs> podcast and often does recaps of WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown, and WWE pay-per-view events. That sounds awesome. Hey, Glenn, it sounds like you got a lot of cool stuff going on. Welcome to Neon the Noise. The secret is out there about the wrestling podcast. The thing I, I don't normally promote <laughs> about my that. business. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's really funny. I've, I've definitely had a varied background, and that's what I found, man, is that life is full of twists and turns. So, you know, I've been doing podcasts advertising sales now. I'm in my sixth year. And about a year awesome. ago, the Wrestling Inc. podcast, uh, one that I was selling ads for and placing ads on, they lost their host. And just one day I was having you know a chat with the site founder and I made some little wisecracker aside about something that happened on Monday Night Raw the night before. And he was like, hey, do you want to be a guest on the podcast? And I think it was five minutes after the first episode I guested on, I got the email saying, hey, do you want to host this thing? And I was like, sure, why not? Let's add one more thing to the resume. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So uh, it's a it's nice distraction from the day job uh, with uh, Adopter Media, my agency, and all the work we do in the in the field of podcast advertising. And uh, it's interesting being on that side of the mic, you know, doing ads myself, uh, doing doing the reads, making the spots dynamic, making the spots interesting, and really, you know, uh, taking advantage of that audience engagement. So it's uh, now I can say I've been on literally every point on the spectrum of how ads are bought, planned, managed, and executed. Very, very cool. Cool story. Um, fill in the gaps on anything that I might have missed on, on my intro. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I worked at the Twit Network, which is the world's largest tech podcasting network. I uh, worked there for about four years, where I was also the director of marketing. So I oversaw audience research, uh, the launching of shows, the marketing of shows, and you know, really how you launch a podcast and build an audience. And just found that I had this real passion for podcast advertising sales. I did that in tandem with my marketing duties there. And really, when enough clients came to me and started saying, hey, you know, our ads that you're doing with us uh, on the Twit Network are going really, really well. What else should we be looking at in the podcast world? It was just... Uh, to the point that I couldn't pass that up, that opportunity to go beyond Twit and was able to to exit there quite gracefully. I still place a lot of advertising on the network, but now Adopter Media, we work with over 1,200 uh, independent and network-affiliated podcasts 
to serve all of our advertising clients' needs. Very, very cool. Now, Glenn, your book, it's called Podcast Advertising Works. I'm always interested when when people decide to write books because something ideally sparked in their brain and then they thought, all right, I have this idea that needs to be heard and put into a form that can be consumed. Why did you decide to write this book and, and who is it for? Well, what's interesting is the way the book came about was originally because I was just ha- I, I had this week where there was a client that was interested in advertising through us. And I started by speaking to the you know marketing assistant there and did about a 45 minute long conversation doing this education about saying, hey, this is the history of podcasting. Here's why it's exploded and gotten so popular. Here's some touch points about advertising. Here's what makes an effective ad. Here's what we look for really laying out the history and philosophy um, of myself and our agency. And then the marketing assistant said, that's really great. Can uh, I get you on the phone now with, uh, you know, our associate marketing manager? And then I ended up having the call with the marketing manager, the marketing director, the VP of marketing and the CMO all in the course of about a week or two there. And I realized I really should write this down. And just have something that I can pass along to people. So I'm not having these 45 minute hour long, you know, uh, conversations doing my little song and dance about the history of the business. And part of it was that there are some people that want to learn at their own pace and never even get to the point of talking to an agency like ours. So I realized that one, it would be a great learning tool and learning resource that no one had done yet. Because I mean, you see books on guerrilla marketing, on Facebook marketing, on YouTube marketing, but no one had done it on podcasting. And I figured, you know what, not, you know, I can count on my hand on one hand, uh, people that have been doing this in podcast ads longer than I have. So I figured, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm the guy to write this book. And wanted to get this knowledge down just so I could have it out there, give to people as a tool and then have it be discoverable by those that aren't going to necessarily contact an agency, but would be likely to pick up a book. Um, and quite frankly, I think the industry needs this information out there. It goes beyond just, uh, advancing the agenda of myself or adopter media and what we're trying to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's been absolutely fantastic for attracting new clients and helping bring clients, uh, you know, into, into our agency and our world. But I just see so much misinformation out there about podcast, uh, podcast advertising specifically. Whereas now, you know, you see that, oh, you know, Nielsen's going to get involved and we're going to be able to do more dynamic ad tracking. And Apple's going to give us this information about ad skipping. And all of these companies are launching saying, oh, we're going to be able to dynamically insert radio style ads down to the user based on a cookie and their interests. And you could tell that these articles are written by someone who has no clue um, about how podcast advertising works both as an industry and in terms of its efficacy. Uh, They don't know why it works. They don't understand that this medium is about authentic connections between hosts and listeners and creating win-win-win situations where the advertiser is benefiting, the podcaster is benefiting, but most importantly, the podcast listener is benefiting by these really authentic ad placements that speak to the host's passion for a product or service and can get their audience interested in them. And you can't do those type of ads just slapping it on there like you would in the radio or on YouTube. It's really about creating partnership arrangements between podcasts and advertisers. So this book is for the podcast advertiser, but it's also for the podcaster. If you have a podcast and you're thinking about incorporating advertising, you don't know the most effective way to do that. There are more options out there than ever. People see dollar signs in their eyes. It's a real gold rush mentality right now. But if you read this book, you're going to understand how to do this in 
the right way that is meaningful, that is engaging, and that's going to create these long-term partnerships as opposed to give me the money and I'll read what you put in front of me or I'll slap your audio file on there and these more transactional relationships that really don't amount to very much. In your explanation right there, you touched uh, on something that I, I want to maybe dive into just a, a touch. And podcasts aren't that old; it's really not that old of a medium. It's 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 still kind of fresh and new. But the you know, you began you started writing this book because you had this this lack of better term song and dance that you kept repeating over and over again about how podcasts came to be and how they're gaining in popularity and importance. Can you shed a little light? And I'm not asking for the the drilled down <laughs> version that you give in your book because you have a nice overview in your book, but maybe just a, a, a quick overview on when podcast came on the scene in talk a little bit of, maybe about some general numbers and growth and uh, popularity. Yeah. So really the early two thousands is when we saw podcasting as we know it be born and start to evolve. Uh, you know, I wrote an article about this on the adopter media blog about how really the MP3 is what made podcasting possible. And, stuck, whereas opposed to formats like real audio back in the early days of the web required a license fee. And it was really a top-down broadcast approach, whereas with the MP3, it was open source and it was bottom up um, in the idea that people could access this technology, release their digital audio files, and then audiences grew out of there. So the iPod was the thing and the portable MP3 player that really gave us this idea that it was no longer tethered to a computer. And this was in the, you know, the early 2000s where people could then take this audio on the go with them, consume it at their own pace. You still had to just transfer it and sync it, which was a huge pain in the ass. But we saw that this medium had this, this small scale explosion then in the early 2000s, but started to fade away um, because I think that that tethering process, that syncing process was still a bit much for most people. But once the iPhone was introduced, you know, 10 years ago now, and we started to see the ability to stream podcasts direct from your device, that's when it just blew up and got huge. And on the advertising level, it went from, you know, maybe a $3 million a year business to now, a 200 and well, depending on whose numbers you listen to, you know, 200 and 200 to $300 million this year in terms of podcast advertising, because the listenership has grown, um, in line with this. So it's this idea now that, you know, you can take, you can listen anywhere. You can listen on your phone, you can listen on your computer, uh, your tablet. It doesn't matter what the device is. Chances are you can listen to a podcast on it. And we're seeing that it's taking away from radio, uh, now to a point where I believe the latest Edison research is what 67 million Americans have listened to a podcast in the last month. So it's roughly one in five. And that number just keeps growing as it gets more common, this idea that I'm going to listen to what I want, when I want, and on the device of my choosing, as opposed to the old school model of, you know, I'm, I'm a slave to what's on the dial at the time. Clint, talk, tell me a little bit about why podcast advertising does work. You've touched on a couple things, such as the differences between or how it's a little bit different than radio and um, the connection with the audience that a podcast can have. Um, could you elaborate a little bit more about that connection the, the, the podcast has with an audience and, and how that will, I think, in my belief, further separate the effectiveness uh, between radio and podcast advertising? Yeah. So when you listen to a podcast, you're listening to a voice that 
you feel a connection to. I mean, it's impossible not to, right? I mean, if you are a fan of the Adam Carolla show, Joe Rogan, anything that's on NPR, um, you know, any of the Gimlet podcasts like Startup, any show you listen to on a regular basis, you feel a connection with that host. And so you're used to being on the edge of your seat when that host is talking about something that they're interested in, that they're passionate about, that they're excited about. And with podcast advertising, it's an extension of that. So the idea is if they're doing a low effort, low energy ad, and it sounds like a fifth grader reading a book report off paper for the first time, you're going to tune out. You're going to gloss over. You're going to hit the skip button. Your ears are just going to, you know, zone out with your mind and you're not going to pay attention. But if they have the same passion and excitement for the product and service that they're talking about that they do when they're talking about their weekend or a movie they saw, you're going to pay attention. And if what they're saying appeals to you, even in the slightest, you're going to want to check it out for yourself. And there's something magical about that. And, and I, you know, I know that sounds like a hokey term, but it is absolutely true. My old boss at Twit, Leo Laporte, is a great example of this. Um, if Leo is excited about a product or service, you know, you're, you're on the website, you're entering your credit card info before he's even done with the ad, because he's explaining to you how it changed his life, how it, you know, is the thing that he's fascinated with and obsessed with. And you're going to want to check it out for yourself, you know, providing the, the, other uh, boxes are ticked, right? The price point's attainable. You have some use for it. Um, it really is a way to generate excitement. And we all have this in our social circles, right? We all have that friend, the one that we trust as the go-to expert, whether it's for a restaurant recommendation or whether it's for a piece of technology or whether it's for something you should do with your car, you know, or uh, some local service you should check out or a movie you should watch, right? We all have these experts in our circles. A trusted podcast host is really an extension of that. And they're someone that's our go-to for, for really almost anything if they have something to say and they have something that they can get us excited about. And so really what you're doing, and I talk about this in the book, you know, it's not to be cynical or, or, or crass about the business that we're in, but I tell advertisers all the time that you need to, to really bring your A-game here and do right by the audience because what I'm selling you is not an ad placement on a podcast. What I'm selling you is a share of this podcast host's credibility that they have with their audience. And that's a sacred thing that you're, you're uh, buying or renting in this case. And you better do right by them because uh, this is something that we, we don't mess with, you know, and we need to maintain. So it is really a more personal medium and a more uh, intimate medium than a lot of other broadcast, you know, as we know it. So most advertisers, would you say in your experience, would place uh, an ad on a podcast where the host has personally used the product, personally endorses the product, or at least pretends that to be the case, whereas <laughs> I think in radio... <laughs> Uh, you know, you're out, you're out there, you sell the ad, you have sometimes supplied spots or the station will shoot the spot for you or record the spot for you. And they're just playing the airtime they sold. So is, is that, is that kind of the, the gist behind it though? Is that the advertisers, cause, cause you, you make it sound more like there, there's, you know, I think you said it's is already a partnership going on here. You're get, trying to get an advertiser that you're going to place with someone that's not going to be a, a three week campaign. You really want to try to date a couple times to form this marriage bond, right? Well, the idea is that, you know, you want to come in and test this at a reasonable amount. And we normally recommend three to six episodes of any podcast uh, for a weekly one. 
before you go bigger from there because you want to see that it works. But the thing is, right now, there's so much money in this space and so many advertisers are coming in this space that some podcasters, uh, I don't want to say are taking it for granted, but they're, I think, losing a little bit of sight about that, about the the specialness of this medium. So when you mentioned like the pretend part, weeding out pretenders, that, that's something that we do as an agency. You know, if we place an advertiser with you and we get the impression that you're treating this transactionally, um, that you're really not investing a bit of time and doing a bit of homework, one, the ads aren't going to work. They're just not. We're going to look at those reports. We're going to see what the results are. And, you know, I'd be willing to bet money that it's not going to perform as well as somebody who spent some time using the product or service, visited the website, did some reading and put some thought into how they're going to do these ads. Uh, there are some pros out there that you can put anything in front of them and they'll make it sound like a million bucks. But by and large, we, we want a bit of effort. We want some investment on uh, the podcaster's part because that really makes for a more effective ad. So it is an education. It is getting the product or service in the hands of the podcaster for them to take it for a run and be able to understand it. You know, uh, one of the clients we work with is Kind Snacks. And I have to say one thing that was great about that is we were able to send out Kind Snacks to all of our podcast hosts, but it was... Just, just a beautiful thing from my perspective that every single podcaster we even approached about Kind Snacks already was very familiar with the brand and could immediately tell us what their favorite flavor was, you know, of, of snack bar. So we're always looking for that. We're looking if someone's not already a fan that we want to be able to help make them a fan. Um, and if they're not, it's a no go. You know, we had um, a service recently, a campaign of an advertiser we were talking to and we started talking to podcasters about it and realized that a lot of podcasters had issues with it. It's um, a weight loss uh, product, kind of like Weight Watchers online. And the idea is a lot of podcasters said, you know, we know that our audience could benefit from this, but we feel that one, we're not sure we would use this. And two, that in the current climate, there's a lot of issues about body shaming and acceptance and things like that. And this was going to be a campaign that's specifically focused on female facing podcasts. And we took that feedback from the podcasters and went to the advertiser and said, you know what? We actually don't think this is the right medium for you because hmm. of that nature of, of approach. And we've done that. We've turned away a lot of advertisers before because we're just like, hey, this isn't the right medium. Uh, this isn't the right area for you to be in. We don't think you're going to get something really genuine and we don't want to just take your money and, you know, say we're going to roll the dice and hope for the best. We have to really feel that electricity and energy across the board where one, we're excited to work with the client, but two, that we, we know the podcasters are fully bought into it to, to make these campaigns work and pop. Interesting. Sure. So yes to potato chips and no to six packs. Right? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, you know, we, uh, <laughs> something we've done, I'm, I'm amazed, you know, we get inquiries all the time from all sorts of different stuff. And there was one that I have to be honest, uh, a psychic, uh, psychic, um, service and they were coming at us and they were looking at a good amount of money. And I think I called one podcaster that I know, and I couldn't even with a straight face pitch them on it. And I was like, yeah, okay, we're not we're not doing this. <laughs> I was like, I was sure. like no, I can't even pitch it to you, man. You right. know? Yeah. Um, I was like, so yeah, we're, we're pretty, pretty good about really getting a feel for something and getting a sense of it. And when I'm on a phone call with a potential advertiser, I mean, I just know if I have 
dozens of ideas about where to place them and who to hook them up with, then it's we're going to fight tooth and nail for their business because uh, we know that we're going to be able to really do something that's going to impress them in this medium. That's great. So what, what kind of business or what kind of product works well? I mean, you have, you said a network of 1200 podcasters you work across. So there's probably a, a wide range of fits that you can, you can come up with, but what do you, what do you see as far as listeners out there, um, considering podcasting as a potential Avenue, uh, for their business? What are, do you have some pre-qualifications or, or a good, uh, fit matrix that you run through that uh, if they do X, Y, and Z, then they're a likely candidate to pursue and, and take, take on as a potential client. So there's the old school way of doing this, which is okay. It's something that's a subscription service or something with a long tail of revenue. That's traditionally been very good for podcasting because podcasts tend to have higher CPMs. So your customer acquisition lifetime value should be pretty good to offset, you know, a little bit of a higher customer acquisition cost, depending on how effective your ads are. That's sort of the old school thought is that it's a long tail of subscription revenue or a higher profit margin. Uh, we've seen that blown up now. We're seeing you know, what they call tuning campaigns, whether it's for a TV or movie where they want to build awareness, and they really want to reach influencers and early adopters. So they know that they're paying a premium for this audience because this is an audience that's going to not only see that movie or watch that TV show, but they're going to tweet about it on social media. They're going to tell their friends. These are the, uh, you know, the alpha consumers, as it were, the alpha listeners, as opposed to a radio audience that needs to hear something 20 times for it to stick. So uh, we've seen that open up. We're seeing a lot of app awareness for that same thing that we're hoping to reach listeners who not only use the app, but then tell a friend, tweet about it, get some buzz going on social media. I know we need to diversify this medium. I know we need to open this medium up to more people, but man, if you look at the demographics of podcaster uh, podcast listeners right now, I, I don't know how this isn't the customer that you want as a business. You know, they, they make a lot of money. They're really smart and they love trying new things and they're passionate about the things that they love. So if they really enjoy your product or service offering, yeah, they're going to tell their friends about it. They're going to become an evangelist for you. And this is the listeners, not just the podcasters. So even though we're at still the, this nascent phase of, of uh, podcast audience development where it's one in five Americans, I think that those are largely the, be the absolute best consumers that a business can go after. And so, yeah, we're seeing it as all types of business right now that are looking to tap into this market. And I can see the advantages of uh, early adopter or influencer over uh, just a normal radio listener uh, based on just their, in, in the demographics you just described. Do you have any insights to why the, you feel that the podcasters are early adopters or are uh, maybe that demographic and it, why th that's the case? Well, because they are people that, do things on their terms. You know, I, I hate this whole concept of the alpha, but you know, I talk about, yeah, like the alpha listener, right? It's someone that doesn't want to be beholden to what's on satellite or terrestrial radio. Uh, doesn't, want to have to make decisions based on the most acceptable or interesting thing that's available uh, in a passive capacity. They want to listen to what they want to listen to when they want to listen to it. And there's something about that, you know, and I think part of it's a bit of an age mindset, maybe uh, part of it's sort of a demand mindset. I mean, think about the early days of the DVR and the people that went out and bought the TiVo. They were, I mean, they were television super fans and tastemakers. Mm -hmm. And 
the, ultimately the DVR got more acceptable as this technology got licensed and widespread. So I think we're going to see that sort of um, ripple effect with podcasts, which is w- right now why a lot of the people that are making money at radio are the ones looking to ruin the advertising medium by getting in these low effort, low energy, digitally inserted ads, because they know that if they don't stake their claim to this and lay the groundwork now, someone else is going to beat them to the punch and uh, their clock is, is ticking. You know, I mean, they've got an old audience by and large, um, especially with talk radio. And, you know, my mom is listening to podcasts now. She's, you know, almost in her late 60s. And she's a, yeah. <laughs> but it's going to happen more and more as the as sure. it's easier right. to consume as Apple improves the interface of, uh, you know, podcasts as these podcatchers uh, get more ease of use and accessibility. So that's that's one thing that I tell uh, podcasters that call me is I have a lot of people that work in radio calling me just asking for advice about transitioning to podcasts. And I say, Hey, if you're going to launch your podcast and you're coming from radio, the first thing you better have with your podcast is a YouTube video that you can tweet out an email to all of your, your audience saying, here's a video that shows you how to download and listen to a podcast <laughs> because you're going to have to really educate them, bringing them into this medium. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it's one, there is something to be said for, I think, with music or sometimes just not wanting to pay attention. It's the same reason why I flip channels occasionally. Is, you know, I just want to zone out and not pay attention. But those ads, like you really, maybe it's one in a hundred that resonate. And with podcast ads, because it is something that I'm engaged with, um, I think it's a lot better batting average for those that are going to really captivate people. I always, I, I find as well, it's easy for me to switch the, the radio station when an ad, when an ad comes on because I can just, I mean, I have buttons on my steering wheel. Yeah. And even though those buttons on my steering wheel still can flip to, uh, through a podcast, if, uh, if I to you know, it takes me to the next episode. Uh, if I hit that button, I know that I'm definitely not getting back to where I was. And if it's, you know, uh, uh advertisement in the middle of a podcast, I'm interested in, and I'll, I'll stick around for sure. So, but like you said, typically it's someone I have uh, built a, a one-sided relationship with uh, that I'm a fan of. And so I don't mind that advertisement and listening to what they're endorsing, because I do believe what, uh, if it's Tim Ferriss promoting his MeUndies or whatever it might be, <laughs> I'm you know listening to an underwear advertisement <laughs> and I'm going to go check out what the hell these underwear look like, because... I trust him and I listen to him all the time. And this is like the 15th time I've heard this MeUndies advertisement. So it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to, to see that happen. Well, and think about the ratio, right? So if you're watching TV for an hour, listening to radio for an hour, what are you hearing? 10 advertisers, maybe more. If you listen to a podcast for an hour, maybe you're hearing four at the, the very most. Typically you're hearing anywhere between one and three. Um, sure. So, I think if they make those ads dynamic and interesting and, and it's read by the host, right? It's delivered by the host. So mm-hmm. it's really taking advantage of the, of you being captivated by this, per, uh, by this person delivering the ad already. And I think that is also another huge, huge part of it. Um, it's as native as you can get while still labeling it as advertising. Interesting. Now talk a little bit about the, C- the CPMs, the cost, yeah. maybe Give a quick overview for everyone that doesn't know what a CPM is, and then talk about how that differs from maybe uh, someone that bought radio in the past and why that difference matters. 
So it's a more measurable number. I mean, I, I joke about this, but it's true. I mean, the company that measures radio ratings has the word arbitrary right in their in their name. Um, <laughs> you know, so I think this idea, it's like, oh, I'm paying a low CPM for potentially millions of people that are hearing my ad or whatever BS metric they come up with on radio. You know, you're still paying probably something close to the same amount, but you're just tricked into thinking you're reaching more people. Um, whereas on podcasts, the CPM is higher. But if I'm telling you that 10,000 people consistently listen to that to episodes of the show, that that's the low number. And that's that's attributed to those that download it, that stream it. I mean, that's that's really real. Um, CPMs vary a lot based on ad length, based on ad style and based on efficacy. Some podcasts out there have, you know, five to $10 CPM. Maybe they're a little less sure of themselves. Maybe uh, they have a little more advertiser churn. Maybe they're doing shorter ads. There's some podcasts that have, you know, north of a hundred dollars CPM, uh, by and large, what we deal with is in the 15 to $50 range. And I think on average for us, you know, if, if you're not 90% sold out, you have no business charging more than a $20 CPM. I mean, that's, that's sort of my attitude with it. You know, uh, Leo Laporte, a twit again, famously sort of brags about twit getting an 80 or a hundred dollars CPM. And, you know, I tell podcasters that, yeah, Leo can get an 80 or hundred dollars CPM, but you're not Leo Laporte. So when you get to that level, right. you know, we'll, we'll raise your rates, um, in line with demand. But my advice for podcasters is if you're starting out, you know, charge, charge a cheaper CPM, do a really great job for your advertisers. Then once you're sold out, start ratcheting that price up and see what the market will bear. Uh, if you're an advertiser, look at the history of that podcast. You know, look at the fact that they've got advertisers every episode in the same advertisers that are coming back again and again. So if they're saying they want a $40 CPM, don't be scared by that. Realize that, oh my God, they're charging a $40 CPM and this is working to the point that the same advertisers keep buying these things, you know, by the month or in some cases by the year, like that's actually incredibly validating. Um, when something has a lower CPM, I know advertisers are going to immediately be drawn to that on a rate card. You know, if I send them out a bunch of podcasts everywhere from a 10 to a hundred dollar CPM, I know they're going to be drawn towards the cheap stuff, but sometimes I have to explain that with the more expensive stuff, uh, you know, the odds are, are better than blackjack with the, the cheap stuff. It's, it's like you're playing craps or roulette. Maybe it'll work, maybe not, but there's a reason why it's so inexpensive. So talk to us a little bit about some of the reasons that maybe a podcast advertising campaign could fail. Yeah. Sometimes it's on the advertiser. Um, sometimes they have a bad product and somebody goes ahead anyway. Like I said earlier with the business that we turn away, sometimes people will take their money and go and do it. And the podcaster doesn't believe in it. And they're just sort of going through the motions and it doesn't really see a response because it wasn't handcrafted as it were. Um, sometimes it's the name. I mean, I talk about this in the book. This sounds silly, but it's an audio medium, guys. You can't have one of these web 2.0 misspelling names where, you know, half of your call to action is explaining to people how to spell the damn URL. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I mean, it comes up more often than you'd think, you know, and we have to say, hey, maybe let's do a text code where they text something or maybe let's use like a redirect URL you know, or something there. Um, 
Other reasons why I fail, you know, if you're a company and you have terrible reviews, do not advertise on podcasts because chances are that in addition to going to your website, you're going to get Googled. And if uh, people are seeing a scam and ripoff and stuff like that, or just bad reviews coming up, like podcast audiences are smart. You can't, you can't fool them. Um, if you have some crazy shipping rate, you know, there are some flower companies out there that the shipping's more than their super cheap promotional price for the flowers. <laughs> You're going to have a ton of abandoned carts, you know, and people not go through with it. You want to, to be ethical, transparent, easily accessible. I mean, there's, you know, sort of a checklist of things you should keep in mind. Um, sometimes stuff fails because the timing's wrong or the podcast is wrong. Sometimes you say, hey, this subject matter is really good, but maybe we should have gone for your target demographics as opposed to your target subject matter. Um, sometimes it's that they... Actually, this is kind of funny. I've got an interview coming out on my uh, podcast that I launched a while ago about podcast advertising, and I've been doing episodes sporadically, but uh, I'll just tease this saying that I've got an interview coming out with an advertiser that you hear all over podcasts now, and they admit that when they first launched their campaign, they thought it did absolutely nothing, and then when they checked back in three months later, six months later, saw that it was actually pretty substantially uh, successful and they made a huge investment in the medium. And if you just search uh, my name and podcast advertising on iTunes, you'll be able to find my podcast and check that out. That episode should be out in a couple of days. And I think people are going to really have their eyes opened about the long tail of podcast advertising, because sometimes it's not about immediate results. It really is about brand building and establishing trust and awareness in this space. So uh, yeah, sometimes even when it fails, it still succeeds. Interesting. So, so they, they initially thought that it was tanking and uh, they, they've stumbled across metrics that prove them otherwise. Yeah. And, you know, I've had shorter term versions of that, by the way. I've had uh, advertisers that just have these expectations that they're going to see results day one uh, or be cost positive day one. And I've gotten, you know, the morning after a launch when some podcasts come out, the, we need to have a phone call and talk about the numbers and look at, you know, why it's doing this and how we can optimize and improve. And then two weeks later, when we check in, it's so things are substantially better than we thought they were, you know, and it's looking really good and we want to buy more uh, and start talking about plans for the next quarter. So I think you have to realize that pot, look, the vast majority of podcasts are consumed in the first week after release, but don't sleep on the long tail. It's there. It's a thing. And sometimes those later listeners that are binging are going to become your best customers. So it's, again, it's different than radio or TV where the spot airs and then we track immediately what the spike is. In this case, sometimes people take a little while or they, maybe they don't have an immediate need. You know, maybe they yeah. hear about it and they're going to keep you in mind the next time they have a need for your product or service. If it's not something that jumps out immediately, there are campaigns that succeed immediately, but it is a mix and there's nothing that's um, standardized about this business. Interesting. If we're talking about a potential advertiser, what would they expect as far as a uh, ballpark range about budget, how long they should be looking at as far as frequency built goes to give it mm -hmm. its fair shot and what steps you'd recommend them taking? Yeah, and it, re it really does vary. So we find, I mean, we work with established brands like Kind Snacks, uh, Pitney Bowes is another client of ours. We work with larger brands, but then we also work with a lot of startups, a lot of companies that are new and that are in this space. And what we found for budgets is that there's a couple different ways you can do it, but you really want to think about 
Well, first off, who else has been in this space before? that's even remotely comparable to what you're doing. Uh, I'll give you an example that if you have like an e-learning solution that you're trying to push, and it doesn't matter what you're teaching, but you could say that, okay, lynda.com, you know, was in this space for a long time. They were one of my clients when I was at Twit. And we want to look at where lynda.com has been and see what we can extract out from their ad placements. You know, you could do a lot of this with a simple Google search, by the way. You could just search, you know, podcast and the sponsor name. Um, we want to see where they were. And we want to get a sense of what kind of stuff they were doing and sort of use that as a bit of a guideline to saying, okay, these are the types of podcasts. These are who we want to reach out to. Um, any advertiser can reach out to a couple of podcasts on their own. Maybe they'll get some big ones. Maybe they'll get some small ones. Maybe they'll, uh, you know, not hear back anything, which is we, what we hear is kind of common because a lot of podcasters do this as a hobby. It is like herding cats sometimes to try and wrangle a bunch of different podcast together and just even you get you know basic info and nine times out of ten they respond to you and they don't even tell you the info that you need to know to place an ad <laughs> like they don't just give you like hey Thanks. here's our cpm <laughs> download numbers and i like we reach out to podcasters and we want to know cpm download numbers advertisers you've had any discounts you offer for multiple episode placements i mean really basic stuff right because we already know about the podcast that's why we're contacting them because we've listened to the podcast we have a sense you know if they have audience survey data that's great as well a lot of times we'll hear back where well we do our advertising this way and you know you get some social mentions and they don't even tell us the number of people that are listening and it's very frustrating we need to price this based on audience it's how it, that is the one standard thing cpm based pricing um so you could do a lot of this on your own and a lot of companies choose to do that the reason why companies call an agency like ours is because one they've tried doing this on their own and they realize that it's a lot of work Two, they want that expert guidance. They want somebody that's done this and they want to be able to have a phone call with me uh, and maybe my team and just hear our thoughts and our ideas of what we would do with this and who we would place them with. Well, we're a shortcut in a lot of way to them learning a lot of potentially expensive lessons um, and doing a lot of legwork that could be misdirected. So you can absolutely do this on your own and I encourage companies to at least start that process and then decide if you wanna take that on or partner with an agency. But I love it when people come at us and they already have an idea of saying, these are the podcasts that we want. This is what we think would be a good fit. And they want to collaborate on this more than just turn it over to us. So tell us a little bit more about Adopter Media, your company. Yeah. Because um, there's probably uh, less competition in the podcast advertising space than a traditional ad agency <laughs> or even a digital ad agency. I mean, you're really, really, really in a, a niche market. But I'm sure there's competition. So along with that, what makes you a little bit different than others in your space? So we are the second oldest podcast exclusive advertising agency um, that only deals in podcasts, uh, which tells you something about this business because we're less than two years old. <laughs> um, so a lot of the other agencies that deal in podcasting also have a radio arm, have a TV arm podcasting as part of their portfolio. We're one of two that are exclusively doing this and have been doing it for a while. Like I said, I'm in my sixth year of doing this. Um, and that's part of it. You know, we mess around with our messaging, but part of even saying, you know, the podcast advertising agency with experience, because we've seen a lot of these upstarts and we've seen a lot of people that see these dollar signs and think, oh, hey, I can do this. It's easy. And don't realize that a big part of success or failure in this medium is having the experience to make good decisions about where you place clients, how you place clients and how you plan, manage and uh, just keep up with these campaigns. 
So what we do is work with advertisers from really step one in educating them and learning about them to figure out what's going to be a good fit for them in this space and then tap into our experience and our methodology for making those good recommendations, those good selections. And that informs not only our podcast selection for advertisers, but also how we do the copy and talking points, how we execute calls with the, with the clients and the podcasters, even how we do the ad tracking, reporting, and optimizations. Um, I think that's all really formed by the expertise of having done hundreds of campaigns. And, you know, to date, I've done uh, $7 million direct in direct sales in this business. And it's been a learning experience. So I think that all of that spend from our advertisers and clients that have come before can really turn into an unfair advantage for any new clients that we have because they're going to value from all that expertise. Um, and we, yeah, are really, really passionate about this space and we're passionate about preserving what works in this space, uh, even at the expense of, you know, making a quick buck, which I think is what isn't going to ruin this business, but it's definitely making things a little more difficult right now as the industry is exploding. So, Glenn, what are you working on right now, and what has you really excited at the moment or what you see coming in the future? Well, like I mentioned, uh, Pitney Bowes, SendPro, working with them on a campaign that's active now. Same thing with Kind Snacks. And both of those, I think, are great because they're established brands that are getting into the space, and they're really smart about how to attack this space when they've had companies that are competitors sort of already um, in podcasts. So I really love the work that we're doing there. If you've heard some of the SemPro ads, uh, I mean, they really bring it with that comparison. You know, SemPro's three times the features of stamps.com at one third the price. And that's exciting to me to be doing something truly disruptive in this space uh, with uh, a competitor to an established advertiser like stamps.com. Um, so we've got those campaigns going. We've got a lot of smaller stuff that we're working on that we're really excited about. And I'll tell you, you know, there's stuff I don't want to get ahead of it yet, but man, we've got, we've got some cool stuff coming down the pipeline. There are some really fantastic companies, uh, some that you've heard of that are getting into the space, some that you're going to be hearing about that are getting into the space. And I'll tell you, for me, I love, absolutely love marketing and advertising. And at Twit, I loved being the director of marketing there, but one of my favorite things about this job is I get to work on marketing and advertising for hundreds of different companies. And I love that I get to be involved in those conversations, in those pitches, and coming up with those ideas and collaborating in how we're going to do something really effective in this space. Because it's not the same as TV and radio. You have to differentiate. You have to find a way to also involve the host and bring in their voice and make it really authentic to their messaging and the way that they communicate. So uh, I love that we get to collaborate with so many different companies companies to be a part of their success. You know, it's really uh, a fantastic, fantastic business. And I love my job. Love it. Sounds like there's a lot of good going on right now. What is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you, Glenn? So they can hit me up on Twitter uh, at Glenn Rubenstein. You can send me an email if you like. I'm Glenn at adopter.media. I urge everyone to check out adopter.media. That's our website for the agency. And yeah, please feel free to get in touch. Um, a lot of podcasters reach out to us and say, hey, can you help get us ads? I don't want to discourage people from doing that, but just want to let people know that think about where you're at. 
in the life cycle of your podcast with advertising. We don't have a set minimum threshold. If you've got a hyper niche audience, you can monetize and we might have something for you if it fits one of our clients, if you're doing a thousand or 2000 listens per episode. Um, but again, going to that gold rush mentality, I've gotten emails from people that are like, yeah, I'm getting like 50 downloads per episode of my podcast now. And I think it's time to incorporate ads, <laughs> <laughs> you know, can you help get us sponsors? And it's like, okay. And I respond to everyone because <laughs> just, I feel sorry, buddy. Obliged to, yeah. <laughs> And Let's then get I'm, NASCAR and Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I don't look. I was naive, like uh, boldly naive, right? That's that's what I owe my career to. You know, I started as a teenage video game journalist, and it's all because I wrote a letter to the paper saying you should have me write a column about video games. And then I took that and wrote a letter to the San Francisco Examiner saying you should syndicate my column about video games. And oh my God, they took me up on it. You know, I mean, nice. that's the entire reason why I have a career. Uh, that's great because of you know, yeah, bold naivete. Uh, so I th I don't want to discourage people. But I'm just saying, think about it a little bit. Think about sure. where you're at in the process and have realistic expectations. Um, if you want to learn more about it, I mean, check out my book. You can pick up a copy on Amazon, on uh, the Apple iTunes bookstore. It's Podcast Advertising Works, How to Turn Engaged Audiences into Loyal Customers. But yeah, tweet at me, email me, let me know. Um, and with brands, kind of the same thing with the threshold. Look, if your brand... And I get it. Everyone wants to take minimal risk. It seems like the universal number people have decided on is like five to 10 grand is the amount that people want to spend where they're convinced they won't get fired if this goes sideways. <laughs> um, that's fine. You know, but if you're an advertiser and I had this, a guy had like a fish tank cleaning product and he's like, oh, you know, I want to buy, you know, like one ad, you know, can I, what can I get for like $300? <laughs> you might want to do direct on that one. You might not really need to tap into our agency uh, for that. But again, we don't, we don't want to discourage anyone from contacting us. It's just, again, sort of keep in perspective, try and let's have the big picture view here about what you're looking to do and when you really need to work with an agency. Because if you have a smaller podcast, you actually are going to have more luck doing it yourself. If so, if I, you know, I'm not saying the person that contacted me was young, but going back to that scenario, if I were a teenager with a podcast and I had, you know, even a couple hundred listens per episode, oh my God, email companies directly. That's going to charm yeah. the hell out of them. They're going to give you money just because they think it's kind of a fun thing to sponsor a kid's podcast. Um, same thing, by the way, if you're a small advertiser and you only have a couple hundred bucks, reach out to a podcast directly, partner up with a small podcast. Sure. They might even just do it for a rev share deal, or you'll give them a couple hundred bucks. You'll be their hero. They're saying they'll, you know, give you a title sponsorship in the podcast for that amount of money. Yeah, sure. You know, sometimes being small can actually work to your advantage. And I think that, you know, I don't want to give people the impression that, you know, oh, we're gatekeepers or that you have to be at a certain level to work with us. But because we do work with a lot of smart startups, we do place advertising on a lot of small podcasts. Don't hear names like Kanye Pitney Bowes and think, oh my God, they must be so big. It's like, we work with everyone that it makes sense to work with. It's just that at a super small level, remember we're an agency, we're making commissions on this stuff. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's got to amount to at least a pittance of something. So, you know, I can buy a burrito for uh, a <laughs> lunch for me and the team. <laughs> Based Fish on a tank place. guy is not going to work out, right? Yeah, we got to make something <laughs> off things, man. This is a lot of work. You've heard what we talk about here, the process. Like, this isn't easy. If it were easy, everyone would be doing it. And I think a lot of people that are trying to do it are realizing just how hard it is. But yeah. if you don't have that passion, man, it's not going to work. Absolutely. Great points. Great points there. Hey, Glenn, before we say goodbye, if there is one piece of parting advice for our listening audience, what would that be? Oh God, tough one. Um, so if you're a podcaster that's listening to this, 
two things to think about, and this is sort of pass fail, right? Is the two things you have control over, regardless of your content, regardless of everything else, they're going to really shape how people see you. Uh, because we hear from podcasters a lot that are, how do I grow my podcast? How do I get bigger audience? One is how your podcast sounds, the sound quality of your podcast. That's pretty easy to control and make sound like a million bucks for a very, very small amount of money. And two is your podcast cover art is really going to frame the perception of how people see your podcast. And I think for advertisers, uh, you know, the piece of advice on the messaging end is don't be afraid if you try something the first time and it fails. Sometimes it's about finding the right fit, but the more research that you do, the more educated uh, decisions you're going to make. And so, yeah, it's like do your homework a bit and I, th I think you'll be fine if you can figure out if this medium will work for you. Sweet. Great, great, great advice. Beautiful. All right, Neon Noise Nation, we hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Glenn. Be sure to go over and check his website out at www.adopter.media. Glenn, thanks again for being on the show today. Ton of great value. Uh, we enjoyed our time with you today for sure. The show notes for today's uh, podcast will be available at neongoldfish.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, this is Justin, Ken, and Glenn signing off. Neon Noise Nation, we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Neon Noise Podcast. Did you enjoy the podcast? If so, please subscribe, share with a friend, or write a review. We want to cover the topics you want to hear. If you have an idea for a topic you'd like Justin and Ken to cover, connect with us on Twitter at Neon Goldfish or through our website at neongoldfish.com.